Welcome to the Ether. Today is Tuesday, January 31st, 2023. Today on the Ether, Roving with Riona, the craft of writing, illusion. Let's take a listen. Hello, hello. This is Roving with Riona, the craft of writing. And today we're going to be looking at crafting illusion and how that works in poetry. So we have a couple of people who are joining us here. I'm going to send out some invites to speak. And then we will go ahead and get started. Please also know that I've created a quest chain, which creates an NFT as a gift for being um, a participant in this show or being a listener in this show. And so I'm really excited that you all are here. Thank you so much for coming either now or in the future. And I'm going to go ahead and and get going here. So hello, welcome to Roving with Rihanna, the craft of writing. I'm Rihanna. I'm so glad that you're here and I can't wait to talk about writing with you. First, I thought I'd give a bit of a background to who I am and how I began my professional career as a writer and teacher. For many years, I taught English and writing. And at one point I was a professor who taught English to teachers who wanted to become English teachers. And so I really love writing. I really love words and I really love talking about writing with everyone. And so my goal by presenting this is to discuss writing techniques and strategies with other writers, namely you all. And I'm always learning new techniques and strategies myself as I study the craft of writing. And I'm always so excited to see where your studies have taken you and what approaches and philosophies you use. And I want to share what I know, and then you share what you know so that we can create this wonderful space together. So thank you all for coming. Thank you all for coming. And I see that uh, Terra Spaces is here with us. Thank you so much. I'm so happy that you've come. And Edward, you are here. How are you today? I'm going to send you a message to speak. Let's see. Are you up as a speaker? I think I did get the invite. Yes. Yes. Excellent. Hello. Hello. Thank you for coming. Uh, it's great to be here. Um, I may not be on terribly long um, because I promised my wife I would uh, I would come back to bed after I, I finished my own space, but um, I was late to that, so I figure I could spend a little time with you and, and say that I still was only up for an hour. Excellent, excellent. No, that's wonderful. Well, so first off, do you have any um, thoughts on illusion as the literary device and how you use it in your writing or how powerful it is for you? What have you experienced? Um, again, this is a, a challenging question for me. Um, I'm going to have to think about it and kind of go look at some of my writing. I feel that it's something that I do use, 
but pulling a specific example out, um, I've always been kind of one of those writers who just sort of the words come out and I didn't have to think, you know, really too hard about the uh, technique. I was homeschooled and never had any formal English classes. I just I literally learned to write by reading. Um, but then I just finished a, a master's in creative writing and literature at Harvard. So I, I should have a better answer to that question than I do. Um, but again, it's it's maybe I will learn how to put into words, and now I'm going to go and actually look at some of my stories and see uh, see where I think that allusion specifically might be used. Oh, okay, that's great, that's great. So I'll just start talking about it, and that'll give some language to what you already use, and then we can discuss it after a bit if you want to do that. And then uh, cryptoversal books, Greg. Hello, hello. Hey, Rihanna. Hi, I'm so glad you've come. Thanks for coming. Well, thanks for having the space. Yeah. And so today we're talking about illusion. And I asked Edward right off, put him on the hot seat about how he uses illusion in his writing. And he said that he'd like to go look through some of his writing because he's fairly certain that he uses it because he's a writer that um, he, he puts down on paper what it is that he's feeling or thinking as he goes along. And that is also true of me. And I know that that's true of a lot of writers that that it's just, it grabs you and you put down whatever it is. And there's maybe not a lot of thoughtful intent because you're just getting out the, the ins inspiring piece that your muse is telling you. But then going back and looking after the fact and seeing about well, what elements did I use and what could I focus on or what could I pull out or what could I highlight? And so is that something that you do as well? Or are you more of a purposeful no, I really want to highlight illusion in this piece and I want to go that way. What What are your thoughts? I, I think a lot of the times it's subconscious. Uh, you you have something in mind, some some source in mind, and you don't even realize, um, maybe, maybe not even until someone points it out and says, oh yeah, you were thinking about this when you were writing that. And nine times out of 10, it's spot on. Um, and then that one time out of 10, you're like, no, I had no idea. What, what, what is this thing you're talking about? I've never even read it. Right. Um, right. Right. Well, let me, let me jump into a little bit about what um, illusion, the literary device is. And it's something that we're all very familiar with because it's all something that we use because we live in this, um, historical, cultural sense of knowledge about what we've got going on around us. And so um, illusion is a literary device that has been used by poets and writers for centuries to add depth and meaning to their work. It's a, it's as a, as an element, it is a reference to a historical, cultural, literary event, a person or a work of literature and it enriches the work of literature by adding context or symbolism or cultural significance. The purpose of using it is to add layers of meaning to the work and create a connection between the poem and the world outside of it. Um, and so if we were to write something and say, oh, don't be such a Scrooge, people would know and understand, well, we're referring to a Christmas carol, Charles Dickens, that character. And if we were talking about 
on the road to El Dorado or in search of El Dorado, that would be alluding to the legendary city made of gold. Um, and then, you know, there's the one about, um, she smiles like a Cheshire cat. That would be in reference to Alice in Wonderland. And so there are so many types of illusions to consider when creating or utilizing them. Um, there can be apparent references. There can be casual references. There can be lots of references within a work. Um, there, you can even reference your own self. Um, if you're a writer and you're referring back to something that you've written. Um, and there can be a single reference or multiple references. Oh, it looks like um, Edward's found something. So let's jump in. Edward, here. Well, as you were saying that, and, and I want to check and see if maybe I'm understanding you correctly. Um, in one of my early short stories, I was I was in Japan. It was uh, a folk. It was a story about you know Japanese soldiers in a in a very kind of a no win situation, and I had been watching a anime series, which was also about some some pretty young people in a pretty unwinnable situation, and sort of a lot of the series was how they dealt with it. Um, and that's kind of where I felt the, that my story was. And since I needed you know, Japanese names for my protagonists, I just used first names from that series. And there was a couple of just like kind of um, habits people have. There's this like uh, a, a, a phrase one of the characters always used. It was actually a woman. She was always like, what are you stupid? Um, when people would ask her dumb questions. And it 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 sounds better in in japanese um when when spoken with a with a, a shrilly voice but um so i ended up putting just a lot of what i guess i think maybe might be illusions that only people who had watched and were like fans of this series would get but because the the the, the story kind of the 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 deep story was i felt very similar um the the question was that was being asked was sort of similar um, what do you do in a situation where there there doesn't really seem to be a, a win? Um, and I really I it was kind of like an homage. So would that would that actually be illusion or is that something yeah. else technically? Yes. No, that is that is an illusion because you're you are in your own consciousness. You're making reference to something that is a collective knowledge for a specific group of people. And so if we were if we were to say, oh, they're star-crossed lovers. That would be a reference to Romeo and Juliet by Shakespeare, right? Because that's that's where it it reaches to. If we were to talk about, um, oh, just do it. Well, that's a reference then to Nike and the just do it with Nike. And so there's a collective consciousness that we have as a society. And there are particular things like if you're interested about it, you can look up. There's actually there's actually a Google site that I use um, fairly often that actually pulls up like, what are all of these different illusions that can happen? And, and so if we think about, oh gosh, let's see, what is that song? Um, we Didn't Start the Fire by Billy Joel. Um, there are so many illusions in that song where he talks about Einstein, James Dean, Brooklyn's got a winning team, Davy Crockett, Peter Pan, like all of those things that's in that song. But he is referring to all of these different events. Like we didn't start the fire, but we're having to deal with it. Right. And so he's got Joseph Stalin and Rockefeller and all of this, all of these things. 
And so, and that, the illusions that he's making in that song really makes that song much more powerful. And so, um, you are exactly correct in what you were talking about, having those illusions to that um, program, the anime that you were alluding to and the people who read it. It just makes like, it can stand on its own and be enjoyable, but people who are also fans or are also readers of or participants of this other thing, it just makes what you are putting together more rich. Does that make sense? Yep, that makes perfect sense. And I can put a name to this thing that I've been doing the whole time. Yay! I love that. I love that. Now, Greg, what are your thoughts? I always wanted to know what the uh, Space Monkey Mafia was. And that's... (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Space Monkey Mafia. (laughs) That would would be a good good story, actually. Um, Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, it's it's funny that uh, I think a lot of the, the uh, those are like could be secondhand illusions because um, something enters the, the popular culture through a song um, and 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 you might you might allude to the song, but there's something that the singer was alluding to that that exactly a, a, another level. Uh, so it's yeah, it's it's uh, the, the original source might might be be obscured. Oh, right. Exactly. Exactly. And there's also, when you're looking at that, there's also like the corrective illusion where maybe, maybe there's a secondhand illusion and you as a writer are pulling on the original illusion. And so, and I can't think of something right off the top of my head, but um, I'll think about that. I'll put it in my sock drawer and think about it. And maybe I can come back to an instance of that. And so we have several people joining us here in the audience. So I'm going to send them um, invitations to speak. And in no way are you required to jump up and speak. But if you want to, please go right ahead, because I'm always so excited to hear um, everybody's perspectives. And so, um, Edward, did you have something you want to say? Well, I was actually waving to the the new joins, but okay. I also, if you don't mind, I'm also going to to bow out gracefully um, now okay. that we're starting to build some numbers here, uh, just yeah. because I did, I do need to kind of balance my time um, yeah. and I will be a little less active on Twitter this week, but hopefully be back in the, the swing of things next week and be able to join you for a full listen. Excellent. Excellent. That will be wonderful. That will be wonderful. Hello. Hello. Thank you so much for coming. Um, so if you want to jump in and go ahead and say something, please go right ahead. Um, but I'm going to continue a little bit. There's about four or five categories of illusion that I kind of want to categorize for us really quick. So there's, um, and then we'll get into how people are utilizing them in their writing. And so there's a historical illusion. Um, And so if you're going through as a writer and you reference something that is maybe something that part of the American Revolution or something with Julius Caesar, um, it can pull in something from the historical past into what you're currently writing about. There's, of course, the literary illusion where where we were just talking about star-crossed lovers. Well, that that's a literary illusion, something that Shakespeare wrote or something with by Jane Austen, or um, they can, that adds like a cultural reference. Um, 
that helps align like the tone or the mood of what you're trying to say. Um, and then, of course, there's the mythological illusion. So like what I was saying about just do it. Um, well, that's Nike, but Nike is also a mythological character. And so if you want to talk about Odin or Thor or Zeus or Hera, that can bring depth um, to what you're writing. And then it pulls forth some of the ancient beliefs and ancient culture into what you're talking about. And so um, Penelope is, I think, one of the greatest, most loyal characters in all of literature. And she was married to Odysseus. And so if I, whenever I'm talking or thinking about somebody who's loyal, that's who I think of. I think of Penelope, you know, she, if you remember the story where she um, wove the tapestry and then during the day and then at night she un she undid it so that, you know, it would never be done and she could continually wait for Odysseus to come home. And then there's the pulp culture illusions. This is the, the song or the movie. Like the first one that comes to mind is Jumping the Shark. And that was way back when, Happy Days. And if you say Jumping the Shark, um, that means it's it, it, it's two steps too far, but it, it is alluding to a particular thing. And then, of course, there's um, biblical illusions or religious um, illusions that pull in those themes and those pieces for writers and readers to enjoy. And it just enriches the pieces of literature that you're putting together. And as we learned with Edward, he's doing it and not necessarily knowing. And Greg, you're doing it also. Um, being able to maybe identify what's going on and being able to see, oh, this is what I've done. Um, and so it's just another tool in our toolkit, you know, as writers. And so, Greg, please jump in and, and talk about some things here that you've got that you might be thinking about. No, definitely. Um, all of those things are, are uh, fair game for, for illusion. It's just something metatextual. Um, that, and, and now the, the, the question is, um, what happens when the reader and the, and the author don't share the same context and, and what happens when what is intended to be an illusion either, either doesn't hit the mark or hits a different mark than what's intended. That's definitely a very good point to bring about. And so that's why when we sit around in our English classes or when we sit around and reread things and we're trying to decipher what did the author intend or what did the author mean or how is this to be, how is this speaking to me? Um, that's why there's a lot of gray area because we're not exactly always certain um, what, what is being meant. And so utilizing illusion, utilizing those moments and that powerful tool um, that's something that we can definitely take into consideration as writers is, and being able to think, how is this going to be perceived? Will this be perceived as a universal truth? Um, and there are only very few universal truths. Um, love and connection, those kinds of things are universal truths, but not all, not all honor is seen as honor. Not all right is seen as right. Not all wrong is seen as wrong. And so there's lots of um, there's so many things, um, to think about, um, when we put, uh, our words on paper and it's just so, um, 
exciting to me to think about um, the messages that we are imparting and how that's being seen and how that's being picked up on um, by people of all voices and all thoughts. And so it's really kind of a powerful tool, but it is something that is that um, does get uh, a second glance through, right? When we're looking at it. Um, the Greg, did you have a, a response? No, that's uh, that's pretty much uh, what I was thinking on, on on the matter. Right, right. I have one um, one illusion that is really uh, powerful for me that I really I really love. Um, I'm a fan of Edgar Allan Poe, and he wrote a poem called "The Raven," and it is about the persona of a poem who sits um, in um, his room and it's nighttime and it's quiet and it's dark and and the persona of the poem is really missing um, the person who he loves and um, he hears this knocking rapping at his chamber door and opens the door and in comes this raven and a raven symbolically um, is dark and black and so with that comes the darkness and blackness of the symbol but the illusion that happens in the poem is where the raven comes in and perches upon a bust of Pallas just above the chamber door and sits there and so Pallas is a reference to Pallas Athena and Pallas Athena is the goddess of wisdom and war and so so many layers to the bird itself and where the bird is sitting. And then, of course, the bird says nevermore, meaning that the persona of the poem is never going to see the lost Lenore, the person who the persona loves. And the added richness of that is that the bird is sitting on a bust of Pallas Athena, the goddess of wisdom, and says nevermore, no, you're never going to. And so that adds like this layer of, well, one, the bird says it, two, the bird is sitting on the, the bust of Pallas and the bust of Pallas is, represents wisdom. And so it's just this, you know, it gives me like the shivers. It's so cool because of the, all of the layers that were put there. And um, so I just think that moments like that, like it can be enjoyed. The poem is completely enjoyable with the bird coming in, sit, perching on the bust of Pallas and, and going through all of this. But then the the deeper layer or the extra layer just really adds um, those kinds of, of, oh my gosh, that's so great. And so those moments are just so cool to me. Um, and so can you guys think of something that's like that or something that you have put together or something similar? I, I'm still thinking about Edgar Allan Poe that I hadn't uh, considered that uh, aspect of this of the the bust of palace until you until you just explained that wow I'm, I'm just kind of blown away by that I know I know I know and I of course you know have read that poem for years and um teaching the poem and talking about the poem and and I always sort of save that little piece for last because it's so you're just like oh my gosh that's so powerful and what a what a what a way to approach that um and so 
my my goal is really to um i'm i want to spend a lot of time we were in the previous space in in um the web through writer space and we were talking about managing our time and one of the pieces that i want to add to my time is reading and collecting web3 writers and because um the the aged poets you know they're great they are great but so are we we are also great and we also have powerful phrases and powerful messages and lovely things to say and so i just that's really a, a goal of mine a current goal of mine is to to find and pull um these lovely powerful talented web3 poets um up along with us and so i'm just super excited for all of that so i'm going to send out another round of of invites for people who are joining us and see if they want to come up and and chat with us you do not have to do so you're very welcome to come um and be a listener but also, please, if you have a poem that you would like to read or if you have a comment that you would like to make about the current topic or past topics or any topic that deals with writing, please feel free. Please feel free to do that because we love to hear from you. Um, and so, Greg, do you want to talk a little bit about um, what current project you've got going on and what you are putting together for our listeners? Well, uh, in the previous space, I was talking a bit about juggling lots of projects and the challenge of occasionally having to step back and say, okay, here's what I'm doing. Um, I have a newsletter I'm putting out weekly. I have poetry I'm writing sporadically on Tezos. Um, I have a GPT-assisted story I'm putting out on Kindle Vela. I'm doing videos about Web3 publishing. I have my Wordler Village um, series of storylines that I am putting out vignettes for and editing the lore into a, uh, a lore um, website. Uh, and I have my year in the books, um, my first generative NFT project that I took a, a snapshot of. Uh, at the end of the month, I'm taking a snapshot at the end of every month, and um, now I have to uh, figure out exactly what reward uh, to distribute to the people who have minted this uh, this project over the, over the, the uh, over the past month. Um, pretty much, that's that's what I got going on. Oh my gosh, so many things going on, so many things going on. So that sounds amazing. Um, do you have a favorite project currently or one that is really taking a lot of your mental connection currently? Uh, I'm having a lot of fun with the videos, um, specifically because I am learning from from the ground up uh, how to do them. Uh, and and I'm, I'm using a, um, an AI program to generate the graphics and the captions and um, doing a, uh, a voice for them and I'm doing the editing myself um, and I'm learning all the all the skills and all the tools um, and, and maybe not all of them because it's still you know 
very rough, but I think each one is better than the ones that came before it. And, and uh, I'm putting them out on uh, YouTube and also as Web3 videos that people can collect. Yes, I am definitely a collector. That is so great. I'm really enjoying watching um, the pieces that you you put together. And so um, I'm interested because there are lots of writers who are who are based in Web three, and they are, um, but they also have a foot still in Web two, like with Amazon. And so, how are you finding that process? Is it is it um, easy to do? Is it easy to do both like that, or is it um, does it take different parts of your brain to put those things together? I mean, it definitely does. Um, it, it's a it's a different a different style. It's using different tools. Um, I'm I'm doing different different projects and finding outlets for them all. Um, and I I, mean, I hate to say that the the one that I'm putting out through Web two is is the one that's generating money. Um, and so I should probably be the the market is telling me to do more uh, Web two and less Web three because uh, that's that's where they where I'm getting paid from. Uh, at least over the past month, um, but my my heart is with the uh, the Wordler Village, um, and and doing the videos at the at the moment. So uh, we'll see. I I am finding that exactly the same. I I am really finding that um, the more work that I do in Web three, my Web two books, um, those are on the rise. Like I have a lot of engagement um, with um, a lot of my Web two work. And I'm, and, but, but I'm loving the connection and the world that's being built in web three. And so I really feel like that the, that having a foot in both places is um, lovely, but I, I also feel the same that my heart is really with um, the communities here in web three and the friends that I've made here in web three and the readership that is coming and, and the 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 conversations and like this space here this is not something that is is um web 2 based i mean not that anybody wouldn't be welcome they're 100% welcome everybody is welcome but it really is i find that people who come and visit later people who listen to it later they really are web 3 writers and and i'm just so like i i just really feel like that there's this rise of of Web3 writers and people who are really excited about the potential here in Web3. And so I, I think we're just treading water and sort of building and being together and connecting with each other. And 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 so it's so exciting for me. I'm just really loving it. So I agree that my heart is really, really here in Web3. Now, um, Greg, do you have other pieces that are around the bend? Do you have, like you were talking in the previous space about thinking about the future and having having things calendared out to February, March? Are you that far or is this a goal on your to-do list? Definitely a goal on my to-do list would be to, to get ahead of the curve. Um, I have writing that... Uh, hasn't been released. I have projects that are um, on the back burner that that uh, have not been released in any form anywhere else. 
Um, so I have I have a pipeline. Um, I, I should say that's 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 the word people use for it. Um, I would like to have more in the pipeline that is more complete um, to take take a little bit of the of the stress off of um, coming out with something some new content every week. But gen generally speaking, I've been able to uh, come out with something new every week. Yeah. Nice, nice. Well, part of this Roving with Rihanna piece is that I put together a poem that utilizes the literary element that we're studying or that we look at or that we pick up and turn around. And so that has been really something because I, I love to write. And so it's been something that's so fun for me to to visit. And so then now I'm starting to accumulate all these poems and, and I'm I'm trying to investigate where would be the best place to share that, um, because I really I like the, the AI art and utilizing that with the poem itself. And so do you have thoughts on that? Like where, where would we send um, a poem, a poet that has a bunch of work that they might like to share with the world? And um, where would you send, where, where would you go if you had that? I've just recently discovered uh, the poetry community on Tezos. And it seems like that's a strong poetry space. Uh, and that's that's where I have my poetry collection, uh, crypto verses. Um, but uh, there there's no shortage of options. Right, right. And is that the is that the um, OBJ? What is that? How do how do you find it? What is that? I think I think it's object. Object um, It is yeah OBJKT. OBJKT. Yep, I'm looking at it. I in fact have a have one of your pieces right here in front of me. The one with the guy. Um, like he's like walking out on a pier, sort of, and out in front of him, there's a, a boat at sea. Yes. Yes. Excellent. 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 Well, and so that's part of my to-do list this week as well. Um, and then, are you going to? NFT NYC is that on your list as well? I'm not sure yet. Um, we'll have to keep everyone posted. It's possible. Yeah, it's so exciting. I'm really excited about it. I went to um, NFT NYC last year as just um, a participant. You know, someone just looking around, getting the lay of the land, and and um, just kind of seeing all of the interaction and, and pieces that are there. And so I'm, I'm excited about the prospect of going as a speaker this year. So that seems really, really fun. Um, and so it would be wonderful to, to see everybody in real life, of course, and, and connect that way. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so then let me jump back to my notes here and see if there's something else that we want to do. Um, and if there's other things that we can talk about as far as illusion is concerned and give some different examples of maybe if we talked a little bit about um, some songs that we know of or some different illusions that we can think of um, that we can um, discuss. And so 
here I've got in my notes, I have the Love Story song by Taylor Swift, if that's something that um, our audience is familiar with, where she, where the, um, the singer references um, Romeo and Juliet. So that's really kind of fun, a, a literary allusion. And um, so um, do you have thoughts? Greg, on any allusions that you are aware of, maybe we could stop back by and visit the Billy Joe song. Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, if you look at the structure of the Billy Joel song, it goes in chronological order and it starts with the year of his birth. And it goes up through the date of the release of the song. Um, so it, it really is a, a his, his history uh, and, and the things that he personally feels are important about each of those years. Uh, and it, I think it says a lot about him. So, you know, it's, it's not just um, our, our common history and our common culture, but it's filtered through the artist. Um, and and, and, and it, it, it really tells us who he is as a person that we might not otherwise know about from his music. Right, right. I've, I've pulled up the lyrics here right in front of me and it really does. I mean, I really, and I guess I never noticed that before that it, that it starts with um, the beginning of his life going through. And so it's really, really interesting. And it's really interesting as a, as a reader or, an audience member of this, what kind of pictures are created by what he talks about? Yeah, it's really a cool, it's really a cool piece. I'm really, I'm, I'm gonna go back and revisit that a little bit and see. Um, now, Greg, previously, um, we've opened it up to have people read. Do you have something you would like to read? Whether it's something that you're currently working on or something that has an illusion in it or something else? that you would like to share? Cause that would be wonderful. I didn't prepare anything. So I'm going to have to defer on that one. Okay. Okay. That sounds fine. That sounds fine. That sounds fine. Well, and so maybe, um, the, the space today, maybe, maybe we've got a lot of learning going on and a lot of fun things going on. And, and so, um, I think I will review um, some of these different references and talk a little bit more about um, the the things that I kind of zipped by pretty quickly at the beginning. And um, then we might end the space early today so that we can get off to get writing. And oh, but really quick, I did want to say that I put together a quest chain for today. And so if you look, it's attached to this. Um, there is a link that you can go and visit. And the secret word for today is flame, like flame of a candle, F-L-A-M-E. So you can go ahead and go visit the quest chain and um, type in the secret word. Or if you would like to find a Web3 author that uses illusion or if you've got an example of a web three uh, or a example of a poem that utilizes web three please feel free to just share that and then i will mint the gift nft for you so 
Yeah. Okay. So let's talk a little bit more about the different illusions that come out in the work that we write. Um, the apparent illusion is something that is not maybe necessarily immediately clear, but it can be deduced through the context. And so if you were here for the beginning with Edward, he was talking about the things that he was writing and that it may not be um, immediately apparent, but the context of it um, makes a reference to another piece of literature or a poem or a literary event or a person um, or a cultural or historical um, piece. There's the casual reference. Um, this is an illusion that is made in a more casual manner, and it's in a reference to a well-known song or movie. And these references can add humor or cultural context. Corrective illusion. This is something Greg, you and I were talking about. This type of illusion is when the poet references a previous work or idea in order to challenge or correct it. And so earlier when we were talking about how it might be interesting, depending on who the reader is or who the writer is and what message they're trying to bring across in the piece of literature that they've got going on, um, it might be interesting to have it be corrected. And so, for an example, a poem might allude to a classic love poem, but then challenge its traditional views on love or relationships. And so that not everything is black and white, yes or no, straightforward like that. It might be a sense of, of the writer can pick it up and allude to it, but then also um, add their own message. And so multiple references. Um, types of illusions involve weaving together multiple ideas into one cohesive image. For example, a poet may allude to Greek mythology, but then also might allude to something that's historical. And so like if we were going to reference um, the history of how America was put together, does it pull on ideas from Greek and Roman mythology, Greek and Roman thought? And how does that appear in how America was put together at the at, at the um, founding? Um, and then self-reference. This is perhaps, um, Greg, when you're going back through and you refer to something that you wrote in a previous piece, that's sending the reader to go look at that. And so that's that's a powerful tool as well. And then sometimes it's just a single reference. Sometimes you, uh, a writer can start out uh, with a piece of literature and just refer to something um, maybe literary or I think um, we were talking last week about um, metaphor and Emily Dickinson utilizing hope and using that as a metaphor, hope and a bird comparing those two things and how um, if we were to refer to hope being a bird, then that would be an allusion to something that she wrote and that would bring in some of the feeling from her poem that she put together. And so that it helps with tone and mood and creating images that we're wanting our readers to see and experience. And so I just, I, I like illusion a, a lot. I think it's really powerful. And I also feel like um, that a lot of times our readers and we as writers 
can enjoy what we've put together, but that that second layer of when we were talking about the Raven by Poe with the Raven coming and standing on the bust of palace, that extra layer, I feel like adds a certain richness. And before Greg, you were, you were saying that you were thinking about Poe and that the Raven and the bust of palace and that you kept going back to that. Um, do you have additional thoughts on that? Well, I mean, that poem is just so evocative in itself that if you were to write something about, you know, a black bird coming into a room where a character is sitting, um, people, the reader would instantly think about Edgar Allan Poe and, and, and the whole backstory behind his narrator's story. Um, I mean, I mean, that's, you know, uh, it's 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 there it's 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 available and and it's something that we can use yeah i think so too i think it would be really hard i i read a, a poem last night um by a, a web3 poet and he was talking about the raven and i and i immediately thought of pose the raven and so it's just there are some images and some pieces that travel um, with us into our collective consciousness currently that are that um, I think it would be hard to get away from. And so I'm always really interested in what people see. And so we've done so much so much talking about illusion now that I'm really excited about the reading that I'm going to do this week and, and what I'm going to find and what I'm going to see. And um so and be able to share so i'm 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 really excited about them okay so i'm going to send one more round of invitations out there might be some other people who might like to jump up and read a little bit about what they've got going on because we've got some other writers in the audience here with us and so i'd be very pleased if you would like to come up and and share some of um your thoughts on your own work or thoughts on illusion and please feel free if you want to leave a message or go ahead and put in a tweet about something that you've got currently working on and Greg please do the same thing go ahead and, and throw in something there if you want to so that we can share it around for people who come back and listen at a later time and so I'm gonna review again this is roving with Rihanna and I am very happy that you've come today. And so I want to um, just review and say that today we've talked about um, the literary element of illusion and that there is a quest chain that is available to go ahead and act, activate or find. And the secret word for the quest chain is flame is flame. And so, yep, you can go ahead and just jump on there, visit, visit that. And I will, in, I will gift that, um, mint that NFT gift for you. And so, yes, thank you so much. Thank you so much. And, um, Greg, I'll send you another invite, but I think we are going to just wrap up today so that we can get on with writing. Okay. Thank you all so much for coming. I've really appreciated today.
And if you have a poem that you would like to send my way, please feel free. Send it to me um, in a DM or put it here or come visit me on my on um, my Twitter space. And so the the invitation is always open. I'm always very excited to read and support other writers. And I would like to just say that I am so glad that you came here today and that we have been looking at illusion together and that I can't wait to connect with you more in the future and happy writing everyone. Thank you so much for coming. Thanks for checking out another episode of the ether. That was roving with Riona, the craft of writing illusion recorded on Tuesday, January 31st, 2023. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. And if you want to keep listening, head on over to TerraSpaces.org slash donate and show some support here. Sneaking through back alleys on a little cosplay. Broadway all day, looking like the wrong way. Resuscitating major players in the waiting room. Sifting through the paperwork while I be debating fools. Breaking rules, breaking bad, like we always wait for doom. Slayed a few in my early years, often hit the shrooms. Sitting in the dark, waiting for the daily news to let us know what we should believe is the latest truth Stay aloof, writing rhymes in the studio Trying to keep it well lit like filming a movie role Sorting through support from your endorsements Of course we're tripping balls, handing reports in The latest proof ain't a way to move, change the view Just a bunch of pack of heads living in a chicken coop Picking at the dinner finger, licking like the plate is good So kick it for a minute, then show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Show me what that thing could do. Two plus two. Show me what that thing could do. Two plus two. Big thinking energy always gets the best of me When I kick it in the lab, messing with new recipes Gotta mix and match, flip the lash, letting rhythm scratch No shit, spitting facts with my vision smashed Big trip aristocrats, dishing out a list of trash Missing wisdom, this fish is too big to catch Better let the missus know where you hit the stash Watch your next step, bro, before you hit the traps Walking on eggshells, tripping over landmines And I'm about done dealing with these damn lies Man, I'm looking at this planet like a franchise Chastised into digging holes in the back nine the latest proof ain't a way to move, change the view Just a bunch of peck of heads living in a chicken coop Picking at the dinner finger, licking like the plate is good So kick it for a minute, then show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Terror spaces.